You're at episode 83. Welcome back to the Brand Builders Lab podcast. Today I'm talking with Anita Onchi from WordFetty all about how you can become the pink flamingo in your industry. Check it out. Welcome to the Brand Builders Lab podcast. We're learning how to create an epic brand, find the right marketing strategies, and building your business is a constant evolution, classroom, and lab. Each week, we'll be diving into all things brand and marketing with special guests and solo episodes to help you build your business brand and big idea. Hey, hey, welcome back to the podcast. Awesome to have you here as always, and I hope that you are having an amazing week. Now, first of all, I just want to say that I have had so many messages and so much feedback around the last couple of interviews that I've had. So I had one with Troy McKenna, who was the or is the author of Brand Hustle. And I know quite a few of you went out and bought his book. Uh, And so I think that that's amazing. I love that. Uh, And I've also had messages just around people who have taken massive action based on things like the Insta Stories episode or just really looking at your brand in a different way. And you know something, that is what I you know, really want you to do. It's what this podcast is all about. So I'm a big believer in listening to content, thinking about how it can potentially apply to you and your business, and then going out and actually taking action and making it happen. So I am super excited when you guys share with me that you've done that. And you can always share with me at Suze Chadwick. Uh, on Instagram, which is the best place to share that. So share away, I say. But I also want to give a special shout out to Casey Hellman, who is in my free Facebook group, which yes, you can join Brand Builders Lab podcast community. So head over to Facebook and check that out or it will be in the show notes. But Casey wrote such a gorgeous little dedicated post, appreciation post for me in the group. Uh, And she just said, I've only just started listening to the podcast in the last seven to eight months. I love this podcast so much. I decided to go back to episode one and binge listen (laughs) in brackets, stalker alert. What about all the actionable things you can take away? Still can't believe this podcast is free. So a couple of examples that Casey gave episode 66, I've got a one-on-one session book to sort out my SEO with Carly from Technobird. Episode 63, I've hired a Ripper VA who not only gets things done at incredible speed and high quality, but also is a wonderful sounding board who contributes ideas or provides constructive criticism. No yes people allowed in my business is such high value. Episode 71, I'm a process nerd. Did I tell you I'm an auditor? So this episode was all the feels for me. I love listening to how people do things. Episode six, help me finally understand what I can potentially offer through collaboration. I also thought, what could an education auditor offer in terms of a collaboration, particularly if they don't work in education? Well, a database of over 2,000 teachers. So many more examples, but I'll wrap up my essay. I feel like my business is really just getting started. I'm so excited for the next 12 months. 
Thank you. Seriously. Thank you. You're super fan. Casey. So Casey, massive shout out. Like you have no idea how excited that gets me that you have taken that much action. I love that you've booked some sessions uh, with some of our guests on the podcast, which is amazing. And hey, you know something? That's why I do what I do so that you can make things happen in your business. Now, if you're kind of going, what is this all about? And who is this woman? I'm your host, Suze Chadwick, and this podcast is brought to you by The Connection Exchange. And if this is your first time here, just to let you know, I work with savvy business owners to help you build a confidently bold brand, articulate a powerful message, and attract clients who want what you have so that you can play bigger and brand bolder. Oh, what a start to the episode. But today I'm speaking with Anita Onchi from WordFetty. I actually met Anita recently at a retreat run by Angela Henderson up on the Gold Coast and we have connected on Instagram before, but it was so amazing to be able to spend four days. What a luxury to spend four days with somebody. Uh, And so we connected and I was super excited to ask her to come onto the podcast and I'm going to be on her podcast soon as well, which obviously I'll share. So we're going to be talking today about a couple of things. We're talking about how she went from a side hustle to going full-time in her business. We're talking about DIY PR and how she did that to grow her massive following on Instagram and elsewhere. And then she's going to step us through the seven steps that she takes her clients through, which she calls her pink flamingo strategy or method. So I'm excited to share this with you. Now, The date that this podcast goes live will be the 13th of November, 2019. And if you're listening to this during that particular week that this podcast goes live, then there's a couple of things I want to let you know. Firstly, Confidence Rising tickets close this week. So that is happening on the 21st, which is next Wednesday. It is a full day with Erica, the Queen of Confidence and myself diving deep into really nutting through what's holding you back and setting you up for success in 2020. The second thing is that my book launch party, if you are in Melbourne, is happening on the 21st of November, which is next Thursday. Yes, there's a lot happening. So make sure you grab tickets to that. It'll be in the show notes or you can head to the website, theconnectionexchange.com. Plus, obviously, if you go to the website, you can also grab a copy of my book, Play Big, Brand Bold, or you can head to playbigbrandbold.com and you can also get the book from there too. And that's what's happening. So much. But listen, let's dive into this week's episode. Anita, welcome to the Brand Builders Lab podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Suze. Oh, so good. We uh, we did spend a little bit of time together at Angela Henderson's retreat. Hi, it Ange. Is always, hi, Ange. It is always <laughs> nice when you kind of know somebody from online to actually get time to like chat and spend yes. time together. And you know what's even more awesome, Sue, is the fact that, you know, you, when you meet someone online, you're just like, yeah, I don't know whether they're going to be like that in person. Yeah, you were exactly like that in person. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, just, I just don't have the energy to be different people, if I'm honest. Yep. I'm just love like, this, it. Is, this is it. You see what you get, man. Yeah, uh, love it. Very good, very good. Now, Anita, for those of my audience who 
<laughs> are living under a rock and don't know who you are. Can you give us a little bit of background on you and Word Fetty, Brand Fetty and Anita and all the things? Oh, okay. So I am Anita. I am the founder of Word Fetty. We are a human-centered brand strategy and copywriting studio that I guess our gene genius, our zone of genius is in helping brands stand out through um, the brand DNA development, consumer psychology and words. Um, so we, you know, we go into each project literally with the blank canvas of wanting to ensure that the words we write is going to stick, have people feel something um, and that the words are going to, you know, ultimately trigger discussions. Um, in terms of myself, I come from a very, not very linear path to copywriting. So I, uh, did the whole traditional thing. I feel as though there's a, a lot of us are like this, but you know, I did the traditional thing, did the uni thing, um, I did law and psychology. I then decided to be in more hex debt and, uh, get another expensive piece of paper and s to say I'm a lawyer, got a job. Um, in the corporate arena, um, worked in that for a number of years and um, I enjoyed it, but I definitely felt as though um, the inner personality, inner creativity, inner, I don't know, in, inner potential was yeah. definitely restricted. There was only so much you could do <laughs> in yeah. the creative sense in the corporate environment. So I started Word 30 actually as a side gig when I was in the corporate job, not thinking it could ever be um, a business um, or anything. In fact, when I left my corporate job um, and told my CFO at that time that I was leaving and I was telling him that I'm going to, like, this is what I'm doing, Gary. This is what I'm going to be doing now. He's like, oh, there's a job for that. <laughs> I was like, yes, Gary, there is a job for that. So, there's a lot of uh, Gary's out there. Yeah, Gary, bless you. So, yeah, so I did the left the corporate job early in 2018. So I'm officially, I guess, yeah, nearly two years into this Amazing. full time. Have loved every single moment of it. Didn't tell my mum I quit my job until <laughs> literally first thing this year. <laughs> so a year um, into it. Yeah, it took me nearly 10, 11 months to tell my mom. So for a very long time, it's it's funny because for the first um, year, um, I would have to be very careful with what I say. I'd be like, I am on annual leave, <laughs> just taking a bit of leave. Um, just because I yeah didn't want my mother to worry and I really wanted to ensure we had the business like to the stage where I can you know confidently be like, look, I'm not going back, even though yeah. I kind of knew I wasn't going to go back, but yeah, <laughs> I didn't want her to worry. Yeah, no, fair enough. Especially when you've been through all that study, her expectations of what you were going to be oh. doing is obviously very different to where you are now. Oh gosh. And she's, um, and for those who don't know, I've come from an Asian background as well. So it's like, literally she was just like, but but why? <laughs> but why would you do that? Oh, that's so funny because I've kind of met a couple of people recently. I was uh, at an event for Thank You Group at, uh, what's it called? It's a place in St Kilda. I cannot remember the name of it. Mm. But um, Sarah from... Uh, Seize the oh, Yay. Sarah Holloway, yes. yeah. Sarah from uh, Seize the Yay. 
and matcha maiden and all of that. And then uh, one of the lovely ladies from Greenhouse Interiors, they're all like, oh yeah, we were all like lawyers and accountants and we all like chucked our jobs in. And the girl from Sage and Claire as well, like all of them. And I'm with, they all just kind of looked at each other and like, is there something happening here? And then when I heard your story, I'm like, obviously there's lawyers are leaving in droves for creative, <laughs> yeah. creative aspirations and careers. Totally. I think we were kind of in that era where it was just like, yeah, there's a lot of money in being a lawyer. And then you find out, well, not that it's ever been about money, but we're like, oh yeah, that sounds good. We know how to do a good debate. We're good at mooting. Yeah. We're good at like a good argument. Let's yeah. be a lawyer. <laughs> I oh, love gosh. it. That's so good. So um, my, I've got a question about that because I know we were sort of talking about what are we going to talk about because there's so many things yeah. we could talk about. And one of it was, one of the things we were going to talk about was your leap. We've decided we're going to talk about something else, but I do kind of want to ask a question yeah. around the leap. So when you were uh, in your job and this was a side hustle, what did you do before you quit to ensure that you were kind of set up that in a way where you, you know, felt comfortable? Totally. That's such a good question. Um, I, I pretty much got down to the whole, this is going to be really geeky. So under the Maslow kind of hierarchy of needs, <laughs> um, literally, like you've got your essential needs, you've got your basic needs, and then you've got your like, really, let's party needs. Yeah. So, you know, of course I had to, like Dean and I, my partner and I literally sat down um, and also I might add before I took the leap, I decided to buy a house. I decided to buy a car because I was like, sorry for the mortgage brokers listening, but, or the bank listening, but kind of, I was, I was like, well, it, it's actually so much harder to get, you know, a mortgage. And I, I, I was like, this is my chance pretty much to, you know, take before I take yeah. the leap to, and it's going to make me work freaking hard. But we, Dean and I sat down and literally, um, worked out, I guess, all our bills, how much the mortgage was going to be, how much, um, you know, the minimum viable amount that yeah. we had to, you know, and if worse comes to worse, and I am really lucky in the sense that, you know, Dean, if worse comes to worse, he probably would have been able to help a, help a sister out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, kind of, it was, um, we definitely worked out, I guess, how much that would have been and saved at least, um, I saved at least three, four months worth of that before I took the leap. Um, and that is, I guess, based on the fact that we would have no clients. However, we were starting to book up, I guess, around a month in advance. So I had that, I guess, you still had to take the leap. And it's freaking scary. Um, not going to lie. Like as soon as I gave my resignation and it was funny because I verbally gave it and I was like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to go. I think I'm going to go. This is, yeah, this I is think, it. I think I'm going to go. <laughs> I'm going to go. Um, and he was just like, no, I need you to put this into writing. I'm like, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, as soon as I did it, um, I definitely, it was scary, but it was just so much adrenaline excitement and freedom all at once where I was just like oh my gosh I Amazing. get to plan my days now yeah that's I want. and did you had you gone part-time or you were in the full-time role and you quit a full-time job 
Yeah, I quit a full-time wow. job. So I, um, so the last job I had was in government and they were actually quite amazing. So I did declare I had this side gig on um, and they actually let me work compressed hours. So I would amazing. be working full-time hours Monday to Thursday, but I was working from 7 a.m. until around 5.30, but that gave me an extra day on Friday off. Wow. So it. yeah, it was, um, it was life changing actually being able to do it like that. And it really helped, I guess, me work on the brand from around Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So, yeah. um, yeah, so it was, yeah, it was pretty much a actual leap. Yeah, that's amazing. And just another question, we're just like, we will get into the content in a second. I'm like just asking all the questions that I want, which my listeners know that this podcast is actually just for me. It's not really for them. It's just me asking loads of questions that I want to know. Uh, luckily, they want to know the same questions, so it's fine. Uh, but what do you think was maybe, I don't know, one or two things that kind of built your brand really quickly or what brought the clients in like quickly in the way that you wanted that to happen? Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say first thing, it was not quickly. Like yeah. I, <laughs> I wish it was like in my head, um, I was like, okay, got a website. It's bright and colorful. Sounds good. Got a social media account. Yeah, um, yeah it was crickets for six months. Like there was nothing, but nothing. this is while you were in your job. <laughs> totally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was. Um, and I guess that is the good thing of having, I guess, a side gig with a corporate job. You're not, you're able to slowly build it and also see, I guess, the type of clients you want to work with, refine your service offerings and all of that. Um, so it definitely was not quick. It probably was six months of building the brand and particularly too, cause I knew no one in the industry. Yeah. Um, I didn't have, you know, an existing network that I could be like, Hey, follow me. Yeah. <laughs> I was literally like, hello, I am new. I know nobody. So, um, it took a bit for me to really, um, gain, I guess, uh, trust. And I guess if I was to really look back to see what I did to build the brand to, I guess, starting to get some leads through, it would, I, I'd have to say it's consistency. So, it would have to be the fact that consistency on social or consistency, consistency on connecting with people. I would say the whole three three sixty elements consistency. So I was very honed into because I knew no one in the industry. I went into this whole business building thing, not necessarily with the goal to focus purely on social media. I went in to build a community around me first, and I used the tools of social media, yeah. of blogs, of different content channels to build that community around me. And social media and Instagram was a hero platform that I. I, of course, you know, was on the most, but so was, I guess, some of the content that we would have, like blogs, we would really ensure that, I guess, the blogs or content that we would contribute sometimes or collaborate with other brands with were just um, the creme de la creme. Um, but it was just consistency in terms of showing up. Um, mm even when there was no one listening, even when there was um, no one double tapping or commenting <laughs> and it was, you know, yeah. and sometimes I feel like as business, new business owners or brands starting out, you feel disheartened when you start a new brand or you have an Instagram account, you're posting things, but no one's responding. But the thing is you don't realize that it takes 
so many like, you know, touch points as well as, and I, you know, we mentioned this too during the retreat where it takes a number of different touch points and Mm -hmm. consistency um, in showing up and uh, being in front of your audience, um, not just, you know, once whenever you feel like it, but you know, it needs to be consistent for people to start being like, ah, yeah, this is what makes this brand X, Y, Z. So yeah. And you've got quite a big following on Instagram. Is that something that you feel like you just built up over time? Because you mentioned that you did some creme de la creme collaborations, Mm. which I did just catch that there. Uh, Was that targeted? Yeah. So I guess, all right. So my first year goal when I first launched Wet Fetty, because I was like, okay, Anita um, doesn't have any connections in, I guess, the space I'm about to enter into coming from corporate or law into copywriting. I don't really have a network to leverage off. So I was like, what, I guess I asked myself for, a, for people and for my audience to trust me, what like, what would they want? What would they want to see? What would they want to read to be able to trust someone who's never technically, you know, done 15 years of copywriting or PR experience? How can I get them to trust me? And I guess one of the first things was, of course, delivering value content and sharing, I guess, non-Googleable content. So sharing a lot of insight, sharing, I guess, um, my perspective on certain elements, but then another key um, factor in there is collaboration. So um, as well as a bit of DIY, I guess, PR. Now I'm not like a, not definitely not a PR queen. (laughs) However, I guess it is um, something I've learned to do myself. Ultimately, uh, journalists as well as publications, they they're massive content uh, creation houses in a way. They're always looking for content and story angles. So I guess there's a number of different story angles that me as a person as well as the brand have. So, you know, I had the goal of, for example, appearing on business chicks being on the local paper first or being on, um, for example, Korean mail or something like that. Just a few, just a few to just kind of dip my toes in the water and kind of try and get that credibility. So, um, but of course to do that, you need to be quite clear, like on your different angles, your different Mm. story angles. Um, You know, a publication might want to, and by the way, I'm going to say it again, I'm not a PR queen, but this is just what I've learned. Let's forget what we were going to talk about. Let's (laughs) talk about this. This is awesome. No, but I'm definitely not a PR queen, but I think. But you know something, can I just say the fact that you're not a PR queen, but it absolutely worked for you and you figured it out. That's like my listeners are like, I we're not PR queens, but how the hell do we do it? So I think it's super interesting. It's it's ultimately storytelling. Like yeah. just, I guess understanding, I guess, the different angles in your brand story, whether you're not your personal or um, <clears throat> a brand brand. Like you could, for example, with Word Fetty, there's of course a story angle of it being a side gig to now a full full time business. Mm. Then there's also the story angle of I guess me going from I guess um, a corporate career in law to now doing something completely creative. That's another yeah. story angle. Um, so I guess it's just understanding how to communicate one story in different ways and understanding. Um, this is what I feel like. 
like I've learned what the publications and what the different, I guess, content channels want to hear. And it's not just about publications. This is about podcasts. This is about, you know, collaborations in terms of um, contributing to a blog or to to another person's blog or to um, a platform like Entrepreneur or something like that. It's understanding, being able to pluck yourself from the shoes of, you know, Anita who loves words to, okay, Anita loves words, but what would someone in this audience want to know about that? Um, And be able to craft a story like that. (laughs) Yeah, so good, so good. I do think that a lot of us sort of overthink PR. It's just like, well, you know, I don't have a big enough story for it to be of interest. And so, Mm. like, why would I pitch it? Or, like, they're not going to be interested sort of thing. So I think No, everyone's got a story. Everyone's got a story. Oh, so good. I feel like, yeah, that's okay. So we'll just get you back on for another episode. We'll just talk about that in a bit. DIY, yeah. yeah, exactly. I'm just, I'm just going to like, you know, line that up. Uh, but what are you, when it comes to creating great copy that helps brands and businesses to stand out, what are some of the big issues that you're seeing at the mm. moment with what people are struggling with? Yeah, I feel think on top of my head, there's two, two, three things. Um, and I think that would probably be the first thing would be writing. Okay. So the first one would probably be, I'm going to start off with tone of voice or brand personalities. I feel as though a lot of people nowadays are going like, Oh my gosh, I love that, that brand. It's usually either Frank body, go to skincare or one of them who have really like bold personalities. And they're like, Oh my gosh, I want to sound like them. I want a or quirky Sheree tone of from voice. The digital oh, yeah. from TDP. <laughs> Hi Sheree. Hello. But you know what I mean? Like they look yeah. at other brands and they're like, Oh my gosh, love what they doing they're obviously getting momentum so I want to be like that I want to have that TOV um but the thing is what they don't realize is they um just because it works for that audience for example for go to skincare it works for that audience doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work for their as in their own audience so for example if you're a corporate organization or a non-for-profit having a tone of voice like that is not going to exactly resonate with your audience and i think people don't realize you need to have to you have to put yourself in the shoes of your audience and have the ability to pluck yourself out from business ownership mode and put yourself in the shoes of your audience before you're able to craft um a brand personality or a tone of voice that really sticks um, and resonate. And I think, so I think that would be the first one. Um, a second mistake I feel like people may make is writing copy or writing words or content that makes sense to them, um, but probably won't make sense to their end audience. And what I mean here is a lot of the time as business owners, like uh, me or you, anyone else, we we love what we do and we can talk about it for hours. Like, however, we don't realize that we have the, our knowledge bank and our expertise versus our audience's knowledge bank and expertise is slightly different and how we talk um, and our knowledge is 
different to our audience's language. So there's a lot of education, there's a lot of information, there's a lot of cutting off the jargon where, you know, we all know, we've, we all technically know how to write. We learned it at school, we learned it at uni and um, we're taught from a young age as to how to write. But what people don't realise is there's a difference between learning how to write well but learning how to write in a way that's going to have your audience remembering um that message and it's like an example is uh, if i was to say yeah word fetty uh copywriters the thing or, or brand strategists a lot of people don't actually know what a brand strategist is a lot of people don't actually know what a copywriter does like you know there's of course this percentage of people who do but um the majority of people don't actually know so we tweak our language to say you know we help brands stand out through words, through content, through, you know, XYZ, um, instead of saying, hey, we're brand strategists and we're copywriters, let's make yeah. magic. So we tweak the language. And I guess I feel as though a lot of people don't realise it's not just about communicating what you do clearly and succinctly. That's definitely important. But you need to communicate, communicate in a way that's going to really resonate uh, with your audience. Yeah, I call it the curse of knowledge. Oh, yeah. It's like you're just like I'm using all the acronyms and I'm using all of the technical words and assuming that you know what I'm talking about. When yeah, exactly. Going. So I always yeah. say to people, you just got to dumb it down. And I don't mean that in like a no, you know, you condescending do. way. It's just like how would you explain that to somebody who has no knowledge of it? Yes. So yeah, I think that exactly. that's, that's really important. And you can always go to the advanced stages once you've brought certain customers or your community along the journey. Oh yeah. But I think you've always got to be communicating at different levels anyway, because you could have new people coming Definitely. in and, and they're just discovering you. And so they're not advanced and they haven't been listening to you for the last however long. That's it. And being aware that, like you mentioned, there's so many different, I guess, levels of understanding. Like not every, you're not technically talking to everyone that's going to buy your product or everyone that is going to engage in you for your services. That is, and that is, you know, another, another mistake that you see. I often see people make, they're just like, yeah, my audience is like someone who needs blah, which is what I sell. And it's just like, well, if you're talking to everyone, you're talking to, you're talking to no one. Yeah. Um, you need to talk to that one person and whether or not that's the on the go mom or whether or not that is the side gigger, like, you know, at the end of the day, they might be looking for a business coach, but their, you know, pain points are different. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Very good. So when we were away at Angela's retreat, which was fabulous, uh, you did a presentation and you were talking about something that I kind of loved because I am slightly obsessed with pink flamingos and pineapples. Uh, we, I have a pineapple and a pink flamingo behind me uh, as we are recording this podcast. <laughs> Love it. Yes. So you were talking about the pink flamingo method, which is something that you've created Hashtag trademarked. <laughs> pending. <laughs> I love that. Hashtag tra trademark pending. Uh, and so I would really love you to kind of take my audience through it. Obviously, I'm conscious that you can't go really deep with it. But, um, yeah, I really loved 
the overview and the model that you gave. So yeah, yep. So the pink flamingo method, I think the best way for me to first explain this is I guess ultimately I call it the pink flamingo because pink flamingos stand out. Um, and if we were to think about, I guess, brands that stand out, if I was to say, Hey, Suze, I'm going to go to the shops and I'm going to buy a very powerful vacuum. You're going to be like, oh, yeah, you're getting a Dyson? Yeah. You know, you're going to think of a brand immediately on the top of your head. And I guess that's what I'm trying to, um, they pink flamingoed the vacuum industry. And if I was to tell you I'm going to, hey, Suze, I'm going to the shops and I am going to buy um, a coffee scrub that is going to leave me silky smooth, um, you're going to probably think of Frank Body because, yeah. again, they have dominated that. They've pink flamingoed it. So I guess that's ultimately what I'm trying to, I guess, achieve here through the pink flamingo method. Each client we work with, each project, I guess, um, even the workshops we deliver, the pink flamingo method is not something we actually, I've chosen to not share actually as much um, because it's only something that's reserved at the moment for our clients as well as our workshop attendees which we're actually um uh, about to stop doing yeah, but yeah. you know it's um but it's definitely something i'm looking to bring out a bit more um in the next year or two because we really want to start educating people um on i guess this method we have refined um over the last year or two so i'll go through it with you i guess it's a seven step framework and it is it's been created and inspired by it's almost like our um i guess take on the design thinking and human-centered design method, which is, um, if I was to summarize that in short, it's very, it's not honed into tactics. It's not honed into, you know, how to get X amount of engagement. It's based on empathy purely on humans, purely on empathy, purely on human, but, uh, you know, how we think, how we feel, what we want to see, etc. So, um, the seven steps, um, are, and by the way, people usually, our clients usually only see the seven steps, um, the, the seventh step, which is the execution. But yeah. if we were to dive into each step, the first step is really uncovering and research. Um, it's really us understanding the environment we're about to get into. Like who, like, where are we at now? Who are, you know, our existing customers? Um, what, what is it going to look like as well for us? Like, what is our end goal? Like if you're going to start a brand off by potentially selling, I don't know, dog products, that's the first thing that came into my mind, but, (laughs) but ultimately you want to be a pet store selling, not just doggy products, even though they're really cute. Um, but ultimately a pet store product, you need to know not just about dogs, but you need to see where that end market is going as well. So uncovering research is the first step. Um, the second step is empathy. And this is my favorite bit because, um, you really get into the minds. It's about taking yourself out of the shoes of the business owner and into the shoes of the clients. And we usually say to our clients, like we're writing, not really for you. We're actually writing for your clients, like with all due respect. Yeah. So it's not really what I think is going to work well. What our team is, thinks is going to work well. It's actually what's going to ultimately work for your audience. Um, 
they need to find it interesting. They need to act when they read about it. So it's understanding the consumer psychology and the buying behavior of um, our audience. Like, why would they buy? Like, why wouldn't they buy? Like, is Jane, who is in her 40s, who wants to buy cupcakes, is she buying cupcakes because it's convenient and down the road? Or is she buying it because she really sees the value in this recipe that's been passed down for the last two to three I don't know, decades or generations, like what is driving them to buy and what are the barriers to them um, potentially buying? Um, And this is important because only once you understand your audience and how they think and what would have them, you know, bing, are you able to communicate your solution um, to their problem. Um, and it's particularly important too, because sometimes your audience may not even know they have a problem yeah. um, that you can solve. Yeah. So that's the second step. The third step is really... Well, hang on a sec. Let oh, me go oh, into the oh, second oh, step. Okay, okay. <laughs> okay. I'm going too fast for Sue. <laughs> I'm like, wait. And so what sort of things, if say you've got a solopreneur, solo business mm. owner, and they're wanting to dive into this for themselves, what sort of ways could they uh, find out this information but I guess like obviously we could do interviews and surveys and stuff but what sort of questions should they be asking yeah so a question I really love to ask you know our clients clients are like you know what two questions actually that I really love are what are the three things that pop into your mind as soon as you think about our brand um, and then the second follow-on question is, you know, what are the three words that pop into your mind after you actually worked with us? Has it changed? Like, and what, what, what would have been the driving force that, like, why did you choose us instead of, I guess, someone else who may have done exactly what we do and really understanding and listening to the language they use there. Like they could potentially say it's price. They could potentially say, but it's, always more than price. It, it, it could potentially be a particular experience, a feeling, um, the fact that you took my stresses away because, you know, I'm a bride and you're an event planner and you just completely took that away from me so I could really enjoy this process or, you know, really understanding. And it's about asking a lot of freaking questions. <laughs> There's not just one because as soon as you yeah. ask one, they might say, um, I don't know, the three words I think of are bright, happy and you know, attentive and you might be like, okay, but, but what, what makes you say that we are attentive or what makes you say that we are, you know, bright? what, how does that make you feel? Like, is that, and potentially you might see that there is a line drawn between the reason why they engage you in those words as well. Yeah. And I also think just on that note, like obviously you can send out for those of you who want to be a little bit lazy. I know you're like, I'm just going to send out a survey to everybody I know and see what comes back. But, you know, and you all know as well, uh, when I started my business, I interviewed 50 women one-on-one because I'm an ex-recruiter, so I like it. Uh, (laughs) And But it is, it's the probing. It's not just the answer. It's actually going, well, what what do you mean by that? How did you come to that conclusion? And it's also just when you're talking to somebody, you get a sense of like the conversation, you know, like tonality and things like that. You're like... Ah, uh, like you pause there. Why did you pause? Yes. <laughs> no, like, I think getting really... into that, having like good conversations with your customers 
and it doesn't have to be 50. Like you could pick five, pick three, yeah. like just start and have yes. those conversations. I, I really like the magical number of around five, like okay. going, like, like you mentioned, it doesn't have to be 50. No. You can start with five and make sure you try and, uh, you know, interview, talk to, you know, survey up or even meet with them over a coffee for, um, it's a diverse range of audiences. So if you're a PT, don't just, you know, interview people in, if, if your audience are not necessarily just in their twenties, talk to people in their twenties, talk to a mum. talk to, you know, um, a retiree who is also your client, like, because they all have different pain points. Like mm. someone in their twenties will see a PT because they want to feel confident. They want to feel good on the weekend. Whereas <laughs> someone in their fifties, um, well, sixties will really see a PT mainly to maintain independence or yes. really be able to feel young or something like that. So um, you'll, you'll, ultimately it's fitness, but the reason as to why they come see you or the messaging you might need to use is going to be slightly different. Yeah. So, you know, going through this process, you're able to get such a clear understanding as to um, the fact that at the end of the day, it's not just your audience is not people who will buy your product. They are people who have different needs. And I guess your goal as a business owner is to really understand those needs and those barriers and those pain points to then be able to communicate how your product or service can help them. Um, and the yeah. only way you can do that is not just by, oh my God, this is the best quality product or, oh my God, you know, if you see me, you're going to achieve this. Like you need to understand, is that even and what they want so yeah. um yeah so that's like the defining so this is like research mode and that probably takes um us internally probably at least two three two two-ish weeks minimum okay. um positioning would be the fourth um kind of step and positioning is really about understanding okay now we we've got the the, the landscape here now we're going into this industry where do we sit so, you know, I use the example of cars at Angel's Retreat where, you know, you've got, uh, uh, let's be like BMW, which is like one of their taglines is like business athlete. Whereas you've got Jeep who is like the explorer, yeah. like, you know, like there's all these different positionings, like ultimately they're cars. Like, you know, some people might like disagree because they yeah. really love their cars, but you know, ultimately they are cars. They get you from A to Z, but the positioning of these cars from Mercedes, BMW to Tesla to all that, they're completely different. Yeah. So understanding, okay, you're going to this industry where does everyone sit how do you want to be positioned how do we strategically place you there to gain competitive advantage um so that's the fourth step the fifth step is um another one of my favorite bits which is brand dna development so this is where we pull together like everything that we've gotten and put together like a ultimately a brand DNA book, like the DNA of your brand. Like what is your elevator pitch? What's your mission? What's your value? Like what are the values you stand for? What's the, and I know this is something very you, what's the neon sign? Like what's the, <laughs> you know, what's the big message that you yeah. want people to know you for? What's that brand personality, the tone of voice, the audience personas and how to talk to them. So we developed that. The sixth step is actually somewhat hand in hand with DNA where we're really future proofing and bulletproofing. So this is us not looking at where the industry is now, but where the industry as a whole is going in the next four to five years. And this is something I see a lot of brands forget. Yeah, this because is really interesting. How do you do this? 
it's, you know, it's a lot of, um, I, I actually, I think I mentioned this at Angie's retreat too. I geek out a lot on research and studies and journal articles. Um, because you know, we're not fortunate, like we're not psychics or fortune tellers, mm. you know, but you can, you know, by looking at the studies by an element reports are one of my favorites where you can really start to see trends as to, you know, if you're in, I don't know, banking or something like that, maybe AI is going to come into play prominently. Voice is going to come into play. Like what is going to come into the industry in the next couple of years that are starting to take I don't know, shape now. What are they yeah. foreseeing? What are people saying? Where is money getting invested in? What are big companies investing money in? So understanding where that industry may potentially go and doing a lot of research. This isn't about, I, we don't necessarily read the 500 pages of research studies. We usually actually look at, you know, the synopsis and, you know, the main hypotheses and I guess the findings of particular research. But you can get a lot out of, um, geeking out on some of those research papers and studies um, where they have pretty much done the big research throughout a year or two or years in the last five years, almost for you. And then the last step, of course, is the uh, the execution, which is the website copy, the um, emails, the marketing collateral. It's, I guess, ultimately what the client sees, but they don't realize there's a Rubik's cube that goes behind everything before you get that tagline or before you get that website copy. So um, yeah, that's my, my seven step pink flamingo. I love it. I love it. And I think a lot of times we just go into like the copywriting or we just go into like developing like our values and our personality and stuff like that. But a lot of times there's a lot of businesses that haven't thought about positioning or mm. like who they want to be or what their clients needs are. Because I also think that when you do do the interview, sometimes you might think that there's a certain need, but then when you speak to a whole lot of people, it's actually like, that's not the main need. Like it might mm. be one of the things, oh but gosh, they're like, yes. well, that's not yeah. actually like the main issue that I've got. Yes. Yes. And the PT thing is a good example. Like, yeah, you can be like, yes, you can, you know, you see some PTs are like, you can lose weight or, you know, get that summer body or something like that. It's just like, if you're someone in their fifties, you're going to be like, oh, that's uh, not really what I want. <laughs> yeah. You know? So yeah, um, yeah completely. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So I do think uh, having all of those steps and actually just going a bit deeper. And I also think speaking, speaking like a human, Human, yes, who are also humans oh, that yeah. you would like to work with is always a uh, time well invested. Yeah, because yeah, people do business with people, not yeah, yeah, not robots. Absolutely, <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, that's so good. So, Anita, what is happening for you right now? What's next? What What are you doing apart from getting married? Oh, oh yes, I am getting. Oh my god, time has gone so quickly. I'm really enjoying just being. I, I want it to last longer. Where I'm like, yeah, fiance. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was really fun being engaged, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, well, you so- are still engaged. I'm yes. like, it was, it was. <laughs> yes. Remember when? Jeez, that was a long time ago. <laughs> oh, bless. But yeah, um, yeah. so organising a wedding, it's funny because my other half is just like, are you sure you don't need like a, 
a wedding planner to help you, like just to take the stress off. And I'm like, no, I own a business. This is another project I am just project managing. It is fine. I love it. I love it. It's so good. um, No, it's fun. So we've got that. Um, It's funny because you and I both went to Marie um, Folia's event. um, And you know how she was talking about the rabbits? What was she saying? Did she she talk about the rabbits in Melbourne? What did she say? Oh, wait. Okay. So, long story cut short, she was talking about multi passionate entrepreneurs. Yeah. So, you know, multi hypheners, ultimately, people who, you know, may not, may love a number of different, they have Mm. a number of different passions. And uh, maybe she didn't say it in Melbourne, but (laughs) maybe I was just overexcited and didn't hear that bit. But she was using the term how it's almost like rabbits doing it in your brain, in your head, because they just multiply. I, I, I don't think I would have missed that, but anyway. <laughs> maybe she didn't say but it, it was, um, yeah, so it's, you know, as on, like creative business owners, I feel like um, more so we, you know, we have all these different ideas where like yeah we do this we do that like there's all these things going on in my um head but of course I've got to try and be like okay Anita just 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 chill what is the priority and you can you know you can do it all but not all at once so, yeah. um, yes, that's kind of, that's going to so be me good, probably. wasn't it? Did you yeah. enjoy her session? No, you... it was good. It was good. She's, a, she's just such a contagious energy. Yeah, she's amazing. And I think one of the things that I love that she said, which was a little bit of a mic drop, it was like we run from our fears a lot of the time. Ooh, and I'm yeah. actually saying to you, run towards your fear because the stuff that you fear is the stuff you yes. really want to do. And I was just like... Oh, girl, it ain't Sunday, but we are preaching. Like, I am like, that is amazing. Yes, you're just like, this is why I jump out of a plane. (laughs) There is a reason. It's meant for me. (laughs) Although I would never jump out of a plane. That's just crazy. (laughs) I love you, fine. It's fine. You got a parachute on. Very good. Uh, And anything else happening for you? So what kind of clients do you work with? Just so that my audience knows. Totally. Yeah, I feel like we... So we have three key, I guess, audiences. We have your SMEs who are, you know, wanting to do something completely different. We've got, you know, your mid-corporates who, you know, they have an established brand, but they really want to take it up a notch and really want to, you know, they may not have looked into something like this for, um, you know, a number of years, but they're now getting momentum and they want to go into a new market, a new country, et cetera. So that's another one. And then you You've got, um, of course, our corporates as well who are wanting to just completely disrupt like an, an industry. And I guess if I was to look at what is the underlying thread, it's ultimately they want to st- stand the heck out. Like yeah. they want to do something completely different. And that's also what really excites me. Um, people who are um, literally, they understand the fact only dead fish go with the flow. Yeah, like, that. yeah. <laughs> so they, they want to stand the heck out. They want to create a dent. They don't want to just, you know, necessarily just be about value, value, value. They want to create a freaking dent. So that's what excites me. That's what excites them. That's what excites everyone in our team. 
that's what makes me want to throw confetti everywhere. (laughs) I love it. it. Word fetty and brand fetty. I love those two. It's great. Uh, And so where can my listeners find you? We will have your details in the show notes, but where can they find you? Yes. um, You can find us at word fetty, brand fetty, and you can follow my food and travel consumption journey (laughs) um, over at Anita on cheese. So um, yeah, we'd, love to have you know you guys say hello amazing well thank you so much for being on the podcast today thank you that was so much fun well I hope that you enjoyed listening to that interview as much as I enjoyed recording it Anita is so fun and super smart uh, and I really enjoyed getting to know her at the retreat that I was at and uh, yeah I think her pink flamingo method is definitely something to start thinking about when you're writing copy in your own business as well. Are you doing the research? Kind of think that's something that a lot of us miss. We just write what we think we want to say, but maybe aren't really looking at how can I write in a way that helps me to stand out uh, from the crowd, which, you know, that's what we're all about. So I'm going to leave it there for today. Obviously, thanks so much for listening. If you enjoy this episode, then make sure that you share it and you can tag Myself and Anita, she's either at WordFetty or BrandFetty and you can tag me always at Suze Chadwick. And if you enjoyed this, then I'd love you to leave a review as well. But until next time, have an awesome week and make sure you keep playing big and branding bold. Bold.